This call may be recorded or transcribed. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Harry. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. with a, a dream about my cousin. So I got up and journaled that, and that woke the dog, which woke my wife. And so we've all been up <laughs> for a while. Uh, I worked until 3 this morning, and then uh, woke up around 6, I guess. Oh, wow. So, no, seven. Anyway, about an hour ago. Yeah. Are you going to get a nap in or are you actually able to function yeah. like this? Working from home has that advantage. Um, yes. Let's see how the day goes. Huh. We're, so how are you? So you? You mentioned you're uh, uh, reaching new levels of peace. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been... Where did it start? I was, you know, I've long felt um, that my uh, very ineffective at prayer, and uh, I think I was just asking the Holy Spirit to guide me in, you know, abiding in Him through this uh, court experience we're having of litigation with mm. family. Yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, different pieces fell together that led me to uh, look at passages at promises that I've known for 40 plus years in context and then uh, commit, well, think about the Holy Spirit's role as bringing back to memory uh, what the words, Jesus' words or other promises from scripture that I've stored in my heart and realizing mm -hmm. that uh, uh, simply reading a passage often enough to be very familiar with it isn't uh, uh, that maybe I could go further with that. So I have memorized a few passages, starting with the one you uh, brought my attention to, Psalm 131, verses 1 to 3. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, my heart is not proud. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child. I am content. Uh, Israel, hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Or put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So uh, from having studied learning Bible stories, I've found, you know, found very simple approach to mastering an extended set of verses like that and then uh, have been begun doing that as full passages in context with the uh, verses that come to mind like uh, don't be anxious about anything but in everything um, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your to God and the peace of God transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds with great Jesus. Uh, Ernie, I'm noticing an echo on this call. Do you think if I hang up and rejoin, that would improve? Are you hearing that? I don't know. I'm not hearing the echo, so maybe it's just on your end. I don't know, are you using headphones or a microphone or something? Uh, just the speakerphone. Let me switch to regular phone to the ear. Nice help. Uh, Try that. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing well, actually, one, two, three. 
Yeah, I can hear you fine regardless. So we'll have to see if I still get this echo. Uh, not so far. Okay. Is the sound, sound quality any different for you? Nope. Oh, good. Not noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so so then the next step that I felt the Lord lead me in after memorizing that was to then personalize it. Oh. So it's not a third person thing, but it's mm -hmm. between me and God. Oh, I am having mm -hmm. the echo still. And uh, so and then that led me to the final verse of that section. And the God of peace will be with you. So the the first part of the promise is the peace of God will be with you. But the last verse ends, the God of peace will be with you. And instead of uh, applying what I see in Paul, uh, I put Jesus into that role um, so that I'm talking with Jesus about putting into practice what I have received, heard, learned, or seen in him. And uh, that led mm -hmm. me to um, writing out, not that I see Jesus doing this, but anyway, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to write out specific thanksgiving and specific my specific prayers and petitions um, as I'm going through this situation and realizing the promise isn't that my prayers will be answered. That's not a measure of the effectiveness of prayer, but that uh, I will have peace as I do this. And that uh, that's the measure of effectiveness in prayer is connecting with God and experiencing peace, not uh, my will being done. So mm -hmm. that's been the unfolding uh, unfolding dynamic here. And uh, I was just reviewing what I wrote out yesterday and seeing two that I'm holding still before the Lord and the third that they could answer uh, pretty powerfully yesterday. Mm -hmm. So uh, let, let me hang up and redial and see if uh, I get rid of this echo in my ear. Okay. All right, I'll be right back. Testing one, two, three. Yep. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. We are on hold. And we're back. And I'm back. And uh, this is... I think it's better. Okay, well, it's worth um, a try. So I, yeah, actually, I, I maybe it has something to do with your end. Are you out walking? I hear car noise occasionally. I am out walking. I'm using the headphones. It's possible there's something weird going on with my headphones. I'm not sure. Yeah. Are those the ear pod things that Apple AirPods, has? AirPods, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Apple's AirPods. Yeah. We've occasionally had some issues, especially in certain zones, but... Right. I have two dogs, so my hands are kind of full, so we'll just oh, have yeah. to power yeah. through. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, so one other uh, unexpected blessing uh, Wednesday as I was practicing this was uh, you've experienced, and I've uh, commented on this to me, helpful feedback, that I tend to be constantly offering people what I think will be helpful to them. Um, mm -hmm. And the the uh, the thing that uh, I mean, it's one thing to hear from you. Another is to have the Holy Spirit um, bring it to mind in a specific context. Where I was ah. with with the youth group of Wesley's, uh, uh, the leader of Wesley's youth group at church mm -hmm. Wednesday night, and uh, I sensed a prompting that I've offered him a couple of things I think uh, you know relevant. 
But I hadn't thought to ask him what he's dealing with, what his big challenge is. So I mm. had an opportunity to do that. And uh, he said, you know, uh, these kids get so many messages about their identity from so many uh, unholy voices and uh, helping them identify their identity in Jesus. And I thought immediately of our conversation with uh, Jamie Winship and the pioneering mm, yeah. work he's doing among high schoolers with that. And, well, I would love to connect you with this. So uh, anyway, yeah. it was, uh, um, the other, you know, he says the other, the other things have been helpful. But uh, if we, I've got something on this. Anyway, it's, it's just neat to see the Holy Spirit put things together like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, Amy's got some sort of Christmas bundle for $29 and it's sitting in my inbox. And I'm thinking, like, I love Jamie. I can see this is really powerful. Well, I actually have time to go through this. And so, we'll right, right. see yeah. that all happen. Uh, yep. But yeah, actually, that was one of the questions I was thinking about. Um, I wanted to drop my conversation with Elijah Ware onto the podcast feed at some point. Um, uh-huh. And uh, one of the questions uh, that I asked him, which I, I figured like, I was feeling like I should ask you is, who are you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I will ask that question. Who are you? Uh, well, um, let's see. I'm just moving to a different part of the house. Um, so the um, uh, here's uh, just an off. Uh, well, I have thought about that question and written out answers, but uh, I would say uh, fundamentally, I am um, uh, a being created by Father God in His image, uh, as part of a household created in His image. Um, uh, to uh, enjoy intimacy with him and to uh, collaborate with him or uh, participate in his great purpose of blessing all the family lines of Earth and uh, subduing a planet that has been under the control of uh, um, uh, rebellious forces, I guess. So that's, uh, I guess that's how I'd summarize it at the moment. Okay. Um, I, I can see all of that. Um, the, uh, this is sounding like a bit more like a mission, like a, almost like a, a, a mission statement <laughs> rather than just a statement of identity. But um, maybe that's actually the point, which is interesting. Uh, what's funny uh. is that the first time I heard this question, uh, it always makes me think of the time I was in high school, and I had just kind of had a conversion experience at 13, and I got uh-huh. plugged into a Bible study group that right. this guy, uh, Lauren Croce, had been leading other three or four other high school students, and uh, he asked everyone that question. We all uh-huh. sat down and wrote down our answers, and I wrote down like, you know, I am a high school student, I'm smart, you know, this and that. And then everyone, he asked everyone else to go read their answers. And every single person who obviously been in this Bible study with him, I think longer than I had, uh, answered, I am a child of God. Uh-huh. Um, and it is interesting to me, I mean, that's consistent with what you wrote. Yeah. Um, but it was a, um, what was interesting to me 
is that the way that I experienced you reading or reciting uh, that summary is it felt like you were describing yourself. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but that was the emotional affect I got was this was like a third party observation of this is what Robbie is. And maybe that's uh-huh. because you're borrowing right, something you've written before. Um, but when I heard them say it, like and I heard everyone say that, it just really struck me so powerfully that this was a um, emotional identification rather than right. intellectual affirmation. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about the uh, identity issues and um, in a whole bunch of different contexts. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is that the truest version of me is um, how God sees me. Mm-hmm. And the process of sanctification, I'm sort of conceptualizing as this process of um, both increasing my value on God's perspective of me rather than my perspective of me, uh-huh. and then also uh, aligning my perspective of myself with God's perspective of me. Mm-hmm. And I think those are two different things, although they're obviously connected and hopefully correlated. Right. And the, the thing that, um, anyway, um, the thing that I was uh, wrestling with this morning was this discomfort I feel when you start talking about your practices. Uh, you, for, you sent me a bunch of things like, hey, these are my practices, and you know, would you like to join me? And then you clarified that this wasn't specifically about you inviting me, this was about you sharing what you'd invited your daughter to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, am, I am thinking about inviting a community to explore this kind of approach and see what we learn together. Right, and, and I was thinking about this. Why do I feel this discomfort mm-hmm. when you do that? Right, yeah. and I think there's a couple of things. One is that I'm not sure why you are offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about this before when you've offered things and I've turned it down, uh, or the way I turned it down is that you actually felt sort of hurt and rejected. In that oh, context. yeah. Yeah, and I'd forgotten that uh, we had that experience. So anything future I invite you to has this added uh, question. Am I going to be no, but, but, Yeah, right. Well, yeah. And, you know, so there's that. And then there's, you know, there's two sides of it. Like, what are you feeling? But also then what am I feeling, right? Because I'm feeling uh-huh, some right. discomfort. And, and the... Um, so I wanted to just kind of take this and, and kind of explore that discomfort, right? This is the... I guess the current practice that I'm on is like, okay, um, when I feel something, you know, what is it a signal of and for? So it's like, okay, so, you know, my definition of anxiety, my working definition is that I'm having a a signal that I don't Uh know how to handle, right? 
and, yeah. and so I'm feeling this enemy, uh, this sort of uh, unarticulated anxiety uh, mm -hmm. that I don't know how to process. I don't, I don't know what role to take. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is that I don't, uh, and so there's several different dimensions of that. Yeah. One is that like, okay, this, uh, like one, one framework is, oh, when Robbie does this, this is his way of connecting. And so he is, you know, making a bid for connection. And if I you know, refuse that, then that would create a, a loss of connection, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, one perspective on it. The other mm -hmm. thing, though, is that, and I'm not sure why, this is why it's uh, anxiety, this is why I'm processing it, is that, but it doesn't feel connecting to me. In fact, mm -hmm. it feels like the opposite. Mm. It feels de-individuating, perhaps. Uh -huh. okay. um, and, um, and I think, you know, and I don't know why, right? this is just a feeling that I'm trying to find words around. Mm -hmm. Part of it is I think that, um, um, you know, these are just some possibilities. I'm not going to assign probabilities or weights to them yet. Just I'm going to riff a little bit here. Is okay. you know, One possibility is that um, it feels like you are using this practice as a way to connect at a around the level of principles and ideas rather than emotions and relationships. Uh, okay. possibility. Another possibility is that I feel unseen because uh, I am interpreting this as an implicit statement that, oh, this is the thing I need. I think it's the, it could be, I, I believe it is the thing you need. Uh -huh. um, as opposed to like, you know, when it's in response to like, oh, I'm struggling with this issue. Oh, hey, this is a great resource. Um, uh -huh. Partly, it is this um, 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 the sense of um, let's call it my uh, desire to be a people pleaser, which is not something I think of very often, but is still there. Uh -huh. uh, uh, which is that, like, oh, you know, if this is something he wants. If I give him what he wants, I'll be a good person, and if I don't give him what he wants, I'll be a bad person. Um, and it's mm -hmm. funny where this, the, how this triggers me. Uh, I had this really weird experience with this sermon uh, uh, with my wife. I went to one of these charismatic conferences, and the preacher was always doing this, like, can I get an amen? Or, you know, like mm -hmm. asking for a response from the crowd. And it was, like, mm -hmm. really annoying to me. Mm -hmm. Like, he would do it, like, all the time. Like, not just, like, 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 like once a minute. He was wow. doing this. And, like, I felt, and I got really angry at him. Uh -huh. um, and the reason was, as I was kind of reflecting on it, is that I, uh, I guess it gets back to this question of identity. I like to think of myself as the sort of person that when somebody asks me, you know, for something, you know, like I'm like the first person to clap or the first person to say amen to give people feedback, right? Uh -huh. Okay. But because of that, when someone uh, sort of abuses that privilege, if you will, yeah, uh, that yeah. might be the right words, but from that framework, that's what it feels like. Then it's right. like, you know, hey, then they are, um, you know, I felt this need to denigrate him and say, oh my gosh, he's needy, he's, and it's like, huh, why do I feel that need? 
Mm-hmm. And this is a dynamic I've been coming up quite a lot in other contexts, which is that when we um, have a, um, what's the right word, um, stored procedure as the technical term in databases, or a canned response, let's go with canned response. Um, when I have a canned response to a certain signal, mm-hmm. then it's automatic, I don't have to think about it. Right. Um, but that assumes that it's rare, uh, right. and therefore, if I always do it, it's fine. And that what's funny though is that when the um, and so it's it's mostly adaptive uh, to use my uh-huh. terminology, right? It's like you know, like it, it works well when people ask this, I do this, and everybody's happy, right? Right. Um, and that's fine. Um, but what happens is is that if uh, someone uh, over signals, um, then I, because it's a canned response, I can't open it back up and change the response. And the only recourse I have is to stop them from giving me the signal or invalidate their ability to signal. Mm-hmm. And it's a strange reaction that I have uh, because both of those are what I would consider unhealthy, you know, maladaptive responses. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, and ah, this gets into this discussion I've had about boundaries with my father-in-law yesterday, which was a very productive discussion. Uh, and it started with my dog, uh, actually my son's dog, Frolic, who is conducting uh-huh. a war on Christmas, as I like to call it, where uh-huh. he, uh, he's still a puppy, he's a year and a half old, and so he's relegated to a certain section of the house. Okay. Uh, because when he gets to the other section of the house, he will chew on things and shed and generally be a nuisance. And so right. we have a Christmas tree now. And so yeah. uh, Frolic has decided that Christmas tree ornaments are chew toys. And so he's always trying to find ways to sneak over there. And so, so far the score is a Frolic free Christmas zero. Uh, <laughs> and, and my father said, well, you have to stop him from chewing. I said, okay, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, we you know, want us to keep him contained. I said, well, like boundaries are a uh, good stop gap, right? right? They're an effective uh, tool, but that's different than training him not to chew. Uh-huh. And how can you teach a dog not to chew? Because like chewing is what dogs do. Uh-huh. And like, you know, and we said, well, how do you distinguish? Like, can we get him to stop, you know, stop giving, you know, and one of the problems, of course, is that dogs chew toys and children's stuffed animals are visually indistinguishable. Except one right. ten times as much, which uh, is so, more than once. <laughs> uh, Christmas decorations that, can be dangerous to chew. Yeah. Yeah. So my wife, bless her heart, was wise and she said, "Let's put all the glass ornaments on the top, and mm-hmm. leave the cloth and uh, uh, ornaments on the bottom." Ah, uh, okay, that's wise. A uh, lifesaver, literally. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, this tension of like, okay, we need walls, we need boundaries in order to individuate, right? We have to be able to create these spaces. Right. But uh, that is different than maturity. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe, you know, it's not, it's an incomplete part. And what I'm discovering in a lot of places is that these boundaries, these walls are, you know, these are the things which help define my identity, right? So, um, but it is precisely those things that are enemies of my identity in Christ. Yeah. Right. The, the veil that was torn is, I think, a very paradigmatic um, 
thing about, and this is the, I think maybe where my theology goes beyond traditional Christian theology, and that I say, well, yes, God, Christ certainly came to reconcile man to God, but he also came to, recognize, to reconcile us to ourselves, uh-huh. is that our alienation from God is um, part and parcel of our alienation from others, and our right. alienation to our own selves. And so mm-hmm. what's fascinating and surprising to me is that these canned responses are in some ways parts of myself that I've sealed off from myself. Mm-hmm. And therefore I am um, uh, powerless, if you will, to uh, respond mindfully in those contexts. Because those are literally sort of mindless parts of myself, parts that I, uh, uh, I uh, they're, they're sort of the never mind curse. Like, I just yeah. want to feel or think whatever things that would, and this uh, interestingly intersects with this idea that words are crystallized emotions. Uh, the idea uh-huh. that, uh, you know, when you have an experience and you capture it in a word, you know, crystallized or experience, there's a phrase, a better phrasing about it. It's an experience which uses emotions to crystallize, um, you know, something other into something that you can attach a word to. I have to figure out the exact mechanics later. But the, uh, is that there's, maybe it's a distinguishing between sort of uh, a word I can use mindfully, which is a crystallized experience versus, uh-huh. Something that was traumatic, I suppose, uh, I think technically that's probably what trauma means, that I could not crystallize, I had to can and seal uh-huh. up. Okay. Um, and so what's interesting to me um, is that this gets to the issue of law versus grace. Because mm-hmm. like canned behaviors are great ways to, to enforce the law. Right, you create these subconscious aversions in people that they, you know, just shy away from you in court, or they religiously wash their hands. Uh, yep. You know, these uh, these are things, and like, um, as long as you're trying to get the, you know, you know, because it's great. Like when you're trying to train a dog, right? If they have a stimulus response, Pavlovian reaction, then they will do what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. But, um. And, you know, when you're a boss or a manager or even a parent, you know, that's really useful to have those mm-hmm. kinds of triggers you can use. Um, but it's also dangerous. Um, one of the sense, of course, in a, any other authority can abuse those the same triggers and signals. Um, right. And secondly, that it seems to work best. Uh, that's the thing, interestingly, is that from the outside, it isn't obvious whether something is a crystallized word or a canned habit or a strong okay. uh-huh. um, And so we can, you know, as long as we get the behavior, we're fine. But internally, you know, and when it becomes maladaptive, it's kind of the only times you can tell that it is not something that you can consciously process. Um, uh, uh, I realize this is, when we, if we're focused on what the law, we don't care whether it's genuine maturity or a you know, trauma-induced habit. Right? As long as they're conforming with the appropriate behavior, we're happy. 
Mm-hmm. But when it comes to grace, it makes all the difference in the world. Right. Uh, you know, grace is, is, is to be reconciled with all these things and not allow these walls and barriers, uh, the flesh, if you will, to get in the way. Right. And I realize that's one of my frustrations with sort of modern Christian theology is we talk about law and grace, but we don't really have a good operational definition of what that means. And therefore, a lot of the things we do to solve problems are really about law, trying to build up, you know, a strong sense of self and ego and trying to, uh, you know, train or shame people into complying with certain behaviors. And it's like, you know, these have socially useful things, but they are not Christ. Uh-huh. And you know, the, the phrase that popped up at church a couple weeks ago, which I think is a sign of a new thing the Spirit is doing, is, you know, I, I don't want to know anything except Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. And I'm definitely feeling that way. It's like, I want to know Christ and Him crucified. But what's mm-hmm. interesting to me is that, okay, uh, this is actually the, the punchline, is that because the reason that your uh, signal bothers me um, is that um, I don't have grace for that part of myself. And therefore, I don't have grace for that part of you. And I've noticed this trend uh, fairly universally, is that, oh, when I'm reacting to something out of a canned response, then uh-huh. I have no grace for the person who gave me that signal. Hmm. And therefore, my only uh, recourse is to, like, change them or cut them off, you, mm. know, you know, in whatever fashion. And uh-huh. that, as a law, as a boundary, can be expedient, but it is ultimately counter to the purposes of Christ. Okay. Uh-huh. And therefore, but we're conversely... If I, uh, you know, uh, open the can and yeah. deal with this stronghold in my life, then I have uh, grace in both senses of the word. Uh, the conventional sense of grace means that, oh, okay, this doesn't bother me. I can forgive them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like water off a duck's back. It no longer bothers me. And, like, that's true. Right. But that to me is the least, least interesting form of grace. The more interesting uh-huh. form of grace is transformational grace. Right. Which is that now I have the authority in Christ to relate to them and speak into their life and speak to God about them in a way that actually brings about the release of God's kingdom in their lives and delivers them of the things. So this is the uh, I guess a, a uh, somewhat geeky interpretation or application of the whole second law thing, right? Is that mm-hmm. my canned response is in fact the law uh, in my eye. And once I take that out, then I can see clearly to say, ah, okay, now that I know what, uh, we'll call it uh, sin, <laughs> I think is actually mm-hmm. the biblical term for it, right? Once I know what my sin is that makes me react mm-hmm. this way, and I deal with it, then you know the 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 the, the sins that other people have that bother me have a resonance with my own flesh, right? Yeah. There's certain things that people right. do that are objectively horrifying, 
you know, in culture large, but don't really bother me at all. Uh-huh. The things that I do not have grace for within myself, I cannot extend grace for to someone else. Right. And so the, um, so that's the interesting um, insight and this idea of, and I think, so anyways, that explains to me uh, why when you sort of put this uh, practical uh, offer on the table, mm-hmm. uh, why it bothers me. And that was really helpful for me to think through my own feelings. I'm curious what other thoughts and feelings this engendered in you as I worked through that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting to, you know, I, I rarely get uh, this detail kind of feedback on uh, how my, what, what I relate to other people, how it impacts them. I, I see some possible parallel in how some of my own family member experience and respond to things that I share that I'm learning from, benefiting from, delighting in. And, um, but I've in general chalked that up to uh, the intensity and familiarity with me of daily life. Um, so you're at an, enough of a distance and in frequency that it's um, notable, I guess, to see a similar reaction. Uh, I don't connect any of the perceptions or feelings that you described that you're experiencing on your side with what I actually am thinking and experiencing as I uh, share um, my my experiences. I'm I'm discovering things that I wish someone had introduced me to 40 years ago, and um, partly wanting to make what I'm experiencing available for others that might find some value in um, partly uh, eager to discover in response other things that people find similar value to. And um, uh, yep, yep, I, there was a third point which I've lost, so um but, uh, and you know what i've i've been um, asking the lord for guidance in how christians or believers can better thrive in the midst of a precarious or uh situations as i perceive the world to be increasingly precarious um and have been thinking about forming community and pursuing uh with with uh, community listening um, and hearing hearing better from the Holy Spirit and from God and Jesus, and uh, interested in exploring with others how to do that. Um, I continue to have this experience that uh, your your processing uh, seems more centered on what you need need to do to work on yourself to become more uh, of what 
you're supposed to be, what Christ wants you to be, which seems to me to be uh, a slightly different or significantly different, perhaps, uh, uh, emphasis that I'm experiencing of not of of moving away from self-evaluation and self-correction to better listening and deeper intimacy and richer experience of God uh, transforming me um, with 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 Him taking more of the initiative. Where your your seems to be your experience seems to be more focused on your self-initiative and discovery. Um, but maybe that's uh, a semantic uh, difference um, of perception rather than any fundamental difference. Because I, I do sense your, that you have a sense of leading of the Holy Spirit in this process of thinking these things through. Um, so that's those are just a kind of preformed thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I want to go with the first thing you said. You said that you've been kind of holding it up to the Lord that you want to do this thing, uh, you know, helping the world prepare for these, or helping people solve this uh-huh. uh, increasingly dangerous world. So as you brought these things to the Holy Spirit, what has he said? Um, well, uh, this is, you know, what I shared at the opening of this call was the outworking of and it feels like the answer the holy spirit's leading me in for people that are um gripped with a spirit of fear um are not experiencing freedom from anxiety but are living in anxiety um who are um trying to do the right things but um like you know for 40 years i've focused on doing everything i could to advance god's kingdom but uh overlooked his deeper interest in intimacy and and fellowship with me as the foundation out of which whatever else I do grows. So um, that's the thoughts that come to your question. Okay. So so that's fascinating because I think I heard two different things. Okay. One was that uh, initially I heard you say, well, the, the Holy Spirit has been pushing me to focus on experiencing peace. And then secondly, I heard you say that this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to use to help other people find peace. Um, not, I, uh, um, the, both those phrases aren't quite the way that I would phrase them. I'm not sure I even absorbed them well enough to say how I would phrase them. But the, um, the first part, um, in the midst of this uh, legal contest challenge with extended family um, and working with my wife, who has very different, uh, both of us are perfectionistic, but with different standards and measures of what perfection looks like. And uh, we, um, we, we often have conflict over how do we move forward in a stressful situation. So, sure. um this uh this has been a great opportunity where we've seen some breakthroughs in uh, our own relationship and uh that's been good but um for myself my first has been to uh may my i don't know my first but the uh, a friend in britain commented on how prone we americans are to uh, superlatives uh describing things but uh, in any case an important element 
in uh, processing the court situation has been uh, deepening my abiding in Jesus rather than simply reacting to what needs to ha- what I feel needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, out of that abiding in Jesus, um, uh, collaborating with my wife to uh, first agree on what the next step is. And then to pour the uh, an appropriate amount of energy into that, not uh, going to my typical extremes, but not uh, slacking off either, and uh, growing in intimacy with Jesus through this, um, and uh, keeping and continuing to have a background conversation with him about. Uh, larger, you know, his larger purposes in the world and in my community and then my role in those larger purposes in the context that, uh, so that those those don't be, those don't take priority over my intimacy and fellowship with him as they have right. to do in the past, but uh, that they're an outgrowth of that intimacy and fellowship. Okay, right. Um yeah. Okay, and, so and I think, then, let me, then, sorry. Oh, well, well, then to go on to the, the how this relates to others, uh, yeah. I have a sense for some, um, actually over this past year plus of COVID, an interest in uh, just opening up uh, to anybody else that is on a similar path that would be interested in meeting on a periodic basis, uh, perhaps to... Uh, Share what we're learning uh, with each other when you know uh, in the one description of a gathering in uh, one of Paul's letters it talks about when you come together each of you have something to share and mm-hmm. uh, I try to guard myself from the feeling that uh, I'm the only person that others that that I'm the only one that has something to contribute um, but to approach situations with I do have something to contribute and I'm interested in what you have to contribute. And uh, so um, that's my context, um, and I'm I'm mentally exploring the possibility of sharing what I shared with you and my daughter this morning on a larger scale, and seeing if there are some that are interested in uh, pursuing the same goals with similar or different approaches. Right. So okay, this is really helpful. I think I'm getting a clearer picture. Um, is this a good time for me to share my perspective? Yeah, what yeah. You said? yeah. Okay, so what's interesting is it sounds like your high-level objective is to help people come to a place of peace. Um, well, my personal intimacy, I would say, is a higher-level objective, but the, what you mentioned is a okay. pretty high level. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay, but so, so yourself and others in that order yeah. to a okay. higher level of peace, okay? And intimacy, yeah. Uh, Intimacy. Okay, good. Um, now, what's interesting to me is a couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. um, one is that your premise is one I disagree with. So state my so premise. You, so the way you stated it was, given that the world is becoming increasingly dangerous, therefore precarious, it's important and precarious. Uh-huh. There, it is important to have people practice peace. It's like, huh, I don't see the world that way. Okay. I see the world as one where the kingdoms of this world 
uh-huh. are you know being leveled. The mountains are being leveled. The valleys are being filled in to make way for the kingdom of the Lord. So therefore, I see the world is becoming more and more ripe for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I so, like that. the whole, yeah. yeah. And, and so therefore, like the, this, this the 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 framing is a misfit for me. Okay, that's one piece. The second yeah. thing that okay. I would want to share is that um, I see in you something I see in myself, which is that right. I derive a great part of my identity from my competence. Oh, I am the okay. person who is able to do this thing. And uh-huh. therefore, I um, am, like one of the things that I, I have uh, discovered is that if someone asks, I've gotten better at this, I think, in the last uh, year, uh, partly through our conversations, is that um, the, is that it's sort of the hammer and nail problem. If I have a hammer and my identity comes from hitting things with a hammer, I'm always looking for nails. Uh, and if someone right. asks a question, like for me to not answer it is like physically painful. Uh, uh-huh. because my identity function thrives on being able to answer questions. Right. Um, and I feel like your identity function thrives on being able to give people resources. Okay. And it feels like, you know, for example, like uh, the alternative way of looking is like, wow, God's really teaching me to be at peace. How do, but like the, the things that you're doing that you're hoping will give me peace actually increase my anxiety, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Okay. Because it yeah. feels to me like you're reacting to your anxiety oh. and that okay. I mirror it, right? Uh-huh. Um, and because I lack race in this area. And so the, the, the desire you have to bring people to peace in this way feels like, I mean, to put it bluntly, it feels like law rather than uh-huh. grace. Okay. It feels like this is, you know, if you just do these things, you will be better. I'm not saying that's uh-huh. how you intend it or what's going on with you, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, um, okay. And that uh, instead of asking yourself, like, wow, I've really learned these amazing things about grace. How can I practice this in a way that helps other people feel more peaceful? That seems mm-hmm. like a more useful question than mm-hmm. how do I talk about this to them in a way that gets them to agree with me that this is a good thing or that this is e- that even talking about this, like, uh, again, like I know there's a certain level of um, self-criticism or even hypocrisy in saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's like, I love talking about practices, right? I love inviting people into context, right? You know? Um, so I'm not saying like those things are bad, um, yeah. but it is, it, it is that like the way I experience, and, and the other thing I think there's also, um, something I obsess over uh-huh. is how do I make sure that I'm inviting people into Christ rather than right. just inviting them into, um, me. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. Uh, you know, that's one reason why I haven't done DBJ for a while is I'm trying to figure out, okay, where is the thing that I feel is, uh, ah, ah, this is actually the, the biggest thing 
that I feel is important, even if I can't articulate it very well, uh-huh. is that I feel like, uh, like I was having some issues with some relatives. And I feel like every time I try to say, oh, well, this, is, this is what I am really good at, and you should be more like me in this area. Uh-huh. They don't say that explicitly, but that's kind of the message. Whereas right. yeah. the message I try to leave with is like, hey, this is an area I struggle with. Uh-huh. Um, that I believe Christ can help us with. Will you join me to see if we can figure out how to have Christ help us here? It is leading uh-huh. with my weaknesses rather than my strength. Okay. And that, you know, and again, I don't know if that's um, uh, right or if they even do it properly, but that is a thing that, like, to me, this whole thing, you know, is like, I, I don't really want to know anything other than Christ and him crucified right uh, but it does but i think the one thing that there's a couple things i prefer about that approach which i wanted to like present for your consideration and for you to lay before the holy spirit um, uh-huh. one is that um my biggest uh concern slash opportunity is finding the things that god really wants me to learn that i um I'm blind to. Right. And that's why I was like so thrilled when Elijah called me out on rudeness because he put a word on something that like, yeah, I do this a lot to people. I don't know uh-huh. why. And so this has led me to go on this sort of extended quest of like, okay, what's going on here? And like, I mentioned right. this to him. He's like, well, I already forgot that I called you out on this. And like, yeah. it wasn't a big deal to him. Uh, right. Apparently. But it's like, no, this is actually huge, right? Like finding a thing that I do that doesn't represent Christ, that I can't, that I don't have any, that is one of these canned responses, like, ooh, this is a big deal. And I think this to me is what is different. And it's, so what you see as perhaps being self-directed, you know, and not entirely inaccurately, for me, it's Uh a matter of like, oh, it is precisely those things that I um, don't understand and can't right. deal with that are the yeah. things that I need Christ to excavate and um, deliver me from. Um, as opposed to like, and I was really like, when you said that you said you brought to the Holy Spirit, well, I see this problem. How do you want me to respond to it? And like the question is, well, are you sure that's the problem the Holy Spirit wants you to solve? Uh-huh. And to me, that is the, um the the um the most interesting because like i you know i can ask the holy spirit but what i found is that there are certain things i'm not able to this is the thing it's it's the things i don't hear from the holy spirit are the things that he most wants me the the things i can't hear from the holy spirit are the things he most most wants me to learn and it's the emotions i don't feel that have the most power over me. I think that's probably the fundamental uh, assumption I am starting from, which feels different than your approach. So I I, I stumble on the phrase "can't hear from the Holy Spirit." Um, yeah. And uh, on on one hand, I think I can understand and relate to the idea there are things that I have recently come to see in myself that I was blind to for 
decades. And uh, mm-hmm. in, in the, that sense, you know, I, there's, I, through those decades, I think I've desired and sought the, uh, the Holy Spirit's, you know, uh, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting uh, kind of prayer. But um, I, uh, my, my own experience has been continuing and, and f- f- keeping my focus on Jesus and listening to him and hearing from the Holy Spirit um, and then uh, he unpacks my life in layers like an onion like you know Shrek made famous um, mm-hmm. the uh, um, it, uh, it, it I you know in the way you describe what's going on I sense the Holy Spirit's leading in your, you know, processing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it seems to me like it's a more of a sem- semantic or a perspective difference than a fundamental uh, difference. I, I perceive the Holy Spirit to be just as much at work in both of us, uh, leading us into addressing things that uh, he wants specifically for us to look at and address. Uh, even as both you and I are trying to generalize to how can this be a benefit to others, it appears. Mm-hmm. And I think your whole processing, to me, strikes me in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as as you were talking about my uh, trying to develop a process seemed like legalism, I uh, was puzzled and wondered about the... I I don't see the goal of my efforts as yeah. different from what we started with in DBJ. And, and, and to be precise, I didn't say legalism. I said law. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but in any case, this trying to create a process that facilitates grace um, or, or to identify or to discover or to develop uh, processes um, in community with others, that's where we got started in the intensity of the DBJ process, mm-hmm. at least that was my experience. And I mm-hmm. I see this as what I'm uh, exploring and discovering and uh, experiencing as being um, a, a, a continuation in that pattern, uh, not necessarily a continuation of DBJ, because I'm, I think at this stage, looking at the individual personal time with Jesus and then uh, exploring how to enrich that from each other's experiences and insights um, rather than trying in the community to provide uh, a rich experience that might... um, uh, One of my concerns is that for many people, group experiences become a substitute for personal connection with the Lord mm-hmm. rather than uh, the, the outflow or the overflow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure why, how it feels, why it would feel different to you, what we did with DBJ from what I'm continuing to do, but it seems like you do feel uh, that there's some fundamental difference. Yeah. And I think I actually have a word for it now. Okay. Um, is I was working on this fruit of the cross uh, thing. And one of the things that um, I ended up uh, leading with is this idea of living scripture. And, you know, it's just a tagline to kind of summarize a more complex thought, 
concept, which I cannot articulate perfectly. But the, uh, the phrasing that resonated with me was this is about trying to, actually maybe that in the second point around um, um, incarnating logos or something like that. So, uh, but the idea is that uh, they're rather focusing on practice. Oh, my dog is running him up again. <laughs> uh -huh. He learned how to pop the uh, gate. So he's going up to oh. raid my daughter's stuffed animal collection. Oh, no. But the, um, this is the problem with boundaries is that if you don't change the desire, eventually <laughs> it always breaks down. Right. Um, and the, uh, but uh, yeah, is that what I really want to do is create a culture, yeah. um, which is a way of being in the world which is which includes but is not does not consist does not slowly consist of words experiences practices relationships identity uh is the idea that you know uh in some sense the the, the new move i am in is in a sense a critique of the way i approach dbj Okay. Um, in two dimensions. One is that the the goal is not the practice, right? Um, and then, but I should be more explicit. What is the goal? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and and the goal. So the, the term culture feels like a better term than practice, a more okay. broader yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I like that. Right. And so yeah. and then the, the second thing is that. Ironically, I feel like, like one of the goals of DBJ was to be like really about the practice and not try to teach any teach anything, uh -huh. right? It was because I was kind of reacting against the idea of education, right? Um, and now I'm sort of like repenting of that a little bit, in that okay, there is there's actually two different meanings of the word education. Uh, uh -huh. One is the idea of uh, uh, bridling a uh, breaking a horse, uh -huh. like taking a dumb beast and uh, you know forcing them to submit to um, uh, 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 a, a superior being, basically. Right? right. And let's be honest, there is a certain amount of civilizing that is necessary for us to do to our children. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so that sense of education is, I think, necessary, but uh -huh. also uh dangerous because uh -huh. especially because it means conforming them to societal norms and our own understanding um, right. but there's another meaning of education which is like the uh, it, i think the roman version was was that that sort of like bridling a horse the greek version of it uh the original word was more like uh walking with a guide with with a you know, this is a kind of a movie trope is like the, the, the child goes out to the uncle the, or the grandfather's farm and the grandfather takes them out into the woods and points out, you know, that's a hickory, that's a red-throated robin, this one's poisonous, that one's edible, like this, yeah. and then it opens our eyes. And that kind of education is like showing and pointing and naming. And okay. I realized that that's the kind of education that I, that I can get behind. It's like, hey, I've been in the world. These are things that I have experienced. And as right. I want to invite you into those experiences and then give you their names 
so that you can work with them. Yeah. And so a big part of the Fruit of the Cross, uh, FOTC, FOSTI, um, is um, this idea that how do we create sustained behavioral change? How do we actually create a new culture which actually helps us grow to be more like Jesus? And right. so a big part of this is for me actually trying to write down, and I'm using the framework of the fruit of the spirit, um, the nine fruits of the spirit, and then kind of three, you know, two, intro, two concepts at the beginning, one concept at the end. And the idea is that it is precisely to grapple with these concepts uh, in scripture and have names for them is how we change uh, our whole brains. Right, because if you have like a typical sermon, like it just flows through your left brain and back on out and there's no real change. You know, occasionally something will snag and change a concept or a perspective. Like this last Sunday, our pastor preached on the fruit of the spirit. And he talked about how the fruit of the spirit, you know, fruits are really for other people. Like right. this is an obvious statement, but I'd never thought about that. Like, yeah, oh yeah. The reason a plant has fruit is you give them something that they can enjoy that contains the seed of what the plant wants to propagate. And it's like, right. oh, that is exactly what the fruit of the spirit is supposed to be. And it's like, oh, I've always, because I've always thought about it as like my love, my joy, my peace. It's like, no, it, like that, so that was a big, so that was a big conceptual shift. And that was just words the pastor said. And that's great. It's like, that happens. These sort of little epiphanies of enlightenment. But for the most part, it's just the stream word that passes through. Conversely, worship, uh, at least in my sort of charismatic church, is almost purely a right being experience. You're just kind of uh -huh. sitting there swaying, getting lost in the movement, music, and the words, you know, kind of bump in there now and then. But it is much more of a, um, like, you know, you're loved just the way you are, and we just want yeah. just a wonderful experience, right? And um, the idea is that behavior, and I thought about this, actually, I was trying to teach my dog, uh, my son's dog, Frolic, to fetch. Uh -huh. I was trying to figure out how to give him the idea of fetch. And what's funny is that, my my dog Quinn is very food motivated. He'll do anything for food. Frolic um, okay. yeah. is motivated by Quinn. Like Quinn is his role model. If we want to get Frolic right. to come, the easiest way is to yell for Quinn to come. And if Frolic looks up to see if Quinn's coming, and if he thinks Quinn is coming, he will jump over there faster than if he called his own name. That is right. the thing he uh -huh. wants. So I had this yeah. wonderful uh, stick where. Uh, I said uh, I would uh, throw a ball and Frolic would chase it, but then he would just keep it. But then I would uh -huh. call Quinny over, and Quinn would come to me, because Quinn always wants me, because he's hoping he's going to get food, and then Frolic would come back. And when Frolic uh -huh. came back, I would say, fetch, good dog fetch, and I would give him positive reinforcement. I would take the experience, and I right. would use the emotion to crystallize it around that word. And because yeah. the dog has no idea what the word fetch means from anything, it's just like if he has a series of experiences and a powerful lot of emotion and he associates with that word, then he'll know what that word means. Right. And to me, it's like this is actually rewriting our logos, right? This uh -huh. is how we change our operating system is we have to create experiences with emotions and give people a word to hang it on. And if we can do all three of those things, that's yeah. how we will create the same behavioral change. And I think that um, that sequence is important. Experience, emotion, and words. Uh -huh. And I think that 
like the next time you feel, I'm, I'm sure this, this is a, I guess a suggestion, the next time you feel like I've had this wonderful practice, then rather than telling people about the practice, can I suggest, uh, and you can think about it or you can ask the Holy Spirit about it, like you ask the question, how do I give people the fruit of my experience first? Uh -huh. And then um, <clears throat> if they respond with the appropriate emotion, then you give them the words. Uh -huh. So, yeah, uh, well, and so, yeah. Yeah, I'll think about that. I'll pray about that. The, uh, the thing that struck me was the uh, idea of, of pursuing a culture or, or I don't know if pursuing is the right word, but culture versus practice. Cultivating, maybe. Uh, cultivating, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's it, cultivating. So I wrote down, uh, I actually wrote down creating a culture, but that's, uh, mm -hmm. I think, uh, I like cultivating better. Uh, yeah. You, it, it seemed like you have more emphasis on peace than I intended uh, in the conversation today, but the uh, the words that came to mind in terms of the culture I want to cultivate is uh, one of contagiously enjoying hearing and following Jesus. Uh, and uh, I had previously been thinking of the phrase uh, thriving in a precarious, uh, helping believers thrive in a precarious uh, environment. And I think the environment is becoming more precarious, but that's maybe a longer discussion to unpack in a yeah but I, I think there's like i think we have a different I, I think we have a even though we see a lot of the same things i do uh -huh. feel like you and i have a slightly different interpretive framework where <laughs> i can see like the things that you see as precarious i think is precisely the things that must fall in order for the kingdom of god to come yeah well, it sounds like you think there's, there's some good things that we're in danger of losing yeah well there are things that's, like that's I see a huge rise of global famine, for example, example, and I don't, uh, uh, you know, the United Nations warned at the beginning of the lockdowns that more people might die as a result of the lockdowns than the, the COVID itself. And uh, I think that's still. A so I, I understand. So like, yeah, like there are things that, you know, the global, so again, but like, like, like I don't deny that there are things that could happen which have many painful and negative consequences. Okay, yep. Right? Right. I don't yep. deny that fact, right? But that isn't, um, but like to me, I guess, is like, but, but that's kind of the whole point, right? right? Is that the systems of this world are failing. Like, I don't uh -huh. deny that fact, but I yep. see this as a encouraging, hopeful sign rather than a cause for fear and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying that it's a cause uh, for fear and anxiety, but it, it does, I think it has led many into fear and anxiety. And I think there's a spirit of fear at work on a broad scale in the society. Well, so. well but yeah, and I, I, I think, yes, I, I do not deny that that is true, but yeah. the way I see you handling it, I perceive that as being motivated by fear and anxiety. Oh, okay. Right. And so, like, this is this is this this paradoxical thing. Is like, oh, yeah, I see this, but I'm not seeing. But it feels like you said. You said you're setting aside that precarious language and focusing. But I still want to push the language of growing closer to Jesus, 
uh, above okay, yeah, merely sure. hearing, obeying, and following uh, because it has this two other dimensions, right? One of character transformation to becoming like Jesus. Um, and then the, I guess that's probably the, the main additional dimension is that there's this internal transformation that's taking place. Which in, yeah, sure. uh, with, uh, in addition to the relationally glowing closest to Jesus and the behaviorally doing the things that Jesus did. Yeah, so uh, um, for me, um, part of uh, it's helpful if I can link to specific um, thoughts, phrases, or uh, promises in Scripture. Um, mm -hmm. And the hearing and following phrase is significant to me because of Jesus' repetition of it in John 10. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, if there are other passages that come to mind uh, that uh, connect with some of the other nuances, you're um, proposing yeah. that that'd be helpful. Yeah, just for the record, uh, my favorite, uh, and this actually I only realized like in the last year or so, is Romans eight twenty nine, um, okay. which is you know I think I've, I've I've ranted about this before, right? How everyone a lot of people quote Romans eight twenty eight, but the, right. quote just the first verse, everything works out for good, right? right? Um, and then some Christians will usually add the second part is that everyone's best for good for those that love God, you know, yeah, which yeah. is true, but then that's actually not the whole verse, right? The verse right. is for those that love God and are called according to his purposes, his uh -huh. purpose. And, right. uh, but then you'll stop there. And I only realized, I was thinking like, what is God's purpose? And then I just realized that if you keep reading, it tells you in verse 29, which is uh -huh. that, uh, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. Like, uh, okay. oh, yeah. I, I think that's, that's actually is the basis of my critique. It's like, okay, the purpose of this life yeah. uh, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, and that if we understand that, then it's easy to see how everything works out for good. Right? Because we think our yeah. good is to be happy and to get what we want and to survive. Uh, right. And like all these things, and there's all these things which are horribly traumatic and evil, you know. Right. But it's like no, that in fact that all these things are working, and uh, I think this to me actually is a big part of the grace lens versus the law lens, right? Because like if I have a law lens, I'm trying to get it right, then I have an incentive to ignore the things that uh, this is the dream I had with my uh, about my cousin this morning that woke me up at 4 a.m. Uh, right. full circle I should probably stop and get back to work um, my day job in, is that he had, he had just gotten a master's degree in my dream he's trying to figure out what he should do right. and I was uh, very insistently uh, kind of saying no 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 it's not about what you do it's what you become and the only thing worth becoming is Christ. And and that was, I sent, I sent him an email. I don't know if he would resonate with him at all or if he's a stand-in for something else. But, but um, uh, that's kind of the point, is that if we are becoming Christ, uh, you know, at, in a way that increases our intimacy and connection to Christ and flows out into producing this fruit, uh, for other people, then um, I feel like we have the whole circle 
it's sort of full cycle Christianity, right? Like all these things individually are important, you know, experiencing intimacy with God, obeying him, uh, cultivating Christ-like character. Uh, but individually by themselves, they can actually become kind of toxic. Yeah. If only if you uh, have that full cycle happening, uh, you know, both holistically and uh, cyclically, that right. we actually build the kingdom of God and all these other but things. This uh, taking me to a specific verse has been profoundly transforming just in this last, uh, you know, three minutes. So this is a, this is very good. Um, all right. This is a great place to stop then. <laughs> yeah. Well, final thoughts? The, well, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the looking at more than one verse, you know, where there's so much of our Christian interchanges, uh, grabbing a verse like Romans eight twenty eight out oh, yeah. of context, and uh, I, that's uh, feeding. I mean, it's reinforcing my sense of what the Lord's leading me into of um, capturing a whole portion, you know, uh, context like the Philippians four four through nine, um, and uh, so anyway, um, I, yeah, well, no, I I'll, changed. I'll, 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 yeah, and that's actually another thing that I wanted to innovate on with Fotsy over DBJ is you tell uh -huh. people to read the entire passage or like the entire chapter or half a chapter. Uh, right. But then right. we just do our study on the three verses, but people yeah. are free to pull it and quote other parts of the passage that they've read up on. And that yeah. sort of satisfied my tension between like, I want people to read the whole context, but I don't right. want to be doing like 45 minutes of just exegeting one verse at a time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's part of that. And actually, this is kind of this. This is actually really encouraging because this is exactly what I want to do for Fosse is to oh, try oh. to encapsulate like these like profoundly significant truths that if you actually internalize them can change your life. Yeah. And it's like, um, like, I don't know what all of them are, uh, but yeah. I know what some of them are. And like, if we can come up with a list of, you know, like I have a list of like a dozen that I'm trying to iterate through and it's like, okay. And if we can take people through the scripture in a way where it, like they experience Christ's presence and then they see what's happening. Um, and then they, um, and, we, and what they don't see they themselves, they see in other people. Right. Cause that is to me, it's like, this is why this has to be a group practice is because I will see certain things and other people will see things that are, that I would never have seen that blow uh -huh. me away. And yeah. then we have a word to talk about. It's like, okay, this is that thing. Uh, and then we all, and that's how you start a culture. Uh, so probably, it, you know, yeah. It sounds to me like you're wanting to do the same thing I'm wanting to do. Um, even though we started off the call with you feeling like my, what I'm wanting to do is somehow, um, something there was something wrong with it, but let's pick that up another time. Uh, let me yeah, no, I my, my concluding, I, I wrote down. I, I'm my current uh, kind of gelling of what I'm want to pursue is cultivating a culture of contagiously enjoying Jesus as we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And I quoted your or noted your. Yeah, I, I, I still I, I still prefer growing closer to Jesus because it has all three dimensions. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to include the contagiously, but uh, maybe it's growing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, the punchline being growing closer to Jesus rather than just being conformed to the image. Okay. Yeah.
Yeah. So, well. so yeah. So I think that thing. Yeah. So I think we are. I think we. Let me put it this way. I think our spirits want the same thing because this is what the spirit wants for us. Right. Right. And and like my whole point is that I can't actually explain it to you very well. But if we have an experience, like okay, that thing that just happened in the last ten minutes. That's yeah. the thing I want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. like whatever ways we describe it and, and word it, whatever, like it's good. To, first we have the experience and then we find the words to talk about it and then we can right. scale it to other people. Yeah. And this class that you're working on that uh, hopefully I'll be able to join you. And I'm, I'm looking towards, I'm looking forward to being out of this dark tunnel of litigation. But, uh, yeah. So, all right. Bless you, man. Have a great day. All right. Day. God bless you. Thank you so much, Robbie. Bye-bye.